Amen. Good morning, everyone. I can't hardly see anybody. I'm like under intense light up here. So let's step into the light together today. How's that sound? So my name is Jason. I am one of the teaching elders here at Celebrate. And uh, Andrew has been uh, going through a uh, sermon series called His Heart that is based upon this book, uh, Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland. It says, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers. And uh, Andrew, Andrew has shared with us, said there's one place in the Bible where Jesus talks about his heart, and that is in Matthew eleven twenty nine, and he says, I am gentle and humble in heart. So think about our heart. Our heart defines us, it directs us, it, it moves us uh, to a place. So as we think about Jesus being gentle and humble in heart, that's what drives him, that's what, that's what motivates him. And uh, Andrew has talked about Jesus having compassion. That was the first sermon we heard. He said Jesus can sympathize with us. That was the second one. And last week he talked about Jesus being easily unangered. Um, Jesus doesn't get angry, right? So today what I'm going to go through is Jesus is for us. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, the scripture that I'm going to use is from 1 John chapter 2. Um, that scripture is written by John the Apostle. It was likely written to the churches that he was ministering to in the area that he was in. And it was likely that people were leaving the churches at that point in time. They were, they were separating themselves out. So what he is bringing in the message is he's bringing the good news. And one of the things that he talks about is light and dark. Light and darkness is part of the message that he is sharing. And as I, as I sat in that, um, you know, we, we take a lot of time to prepare for these sermons, and you look at commentaries, and you read scripture, and you do those things. Well, as I sat in this, it really stuck with me, this Jesus is always for us, right? But the question that kept coming up to me was, but is he for us? all of us. What does that look like? And I wanted to share with you a story about an individual that I walked with a few years ago. And I want to just kind of tell you a piece of his story, then we're going to hold, and then we'll get back to it at the end. So here's a piece of his story. Um, I would say this person was well-known in the area, and think the area is our, is our county, well-known in the area. Um, I, I will say he was a front-page newspaper person. Our front-page newspaper, what, what gets somebody to the front page of the newspaper? Not generally the good things that they've done, right? This person had, um, had really a, a history, okay? Now, when I would sit with this person, he would not hide behind his love for Jesus. He would quote scripture, he would pray, um, he would give examples of how Jesus was working in his life. But something was always just a little bit off with this person, okay? And what I, what I would say, the way I would say it is he had some things where he really followed the world rather than what Jesus teaches us. 
So that kind of shifted things, shifted things for him. Now that belief system drove actions that hurt other people, um, caused damage to other people. And if you, if you had seen this man in public, if you saw him in the, in the newspaper, if you saw those things, you would look at him and say, man, he's, he's weird. He's scary. Um, he's strange. He's odd. He's a loser. Right? You'd say those things about those, this person. Um, I would often have people that would see me with him somewhere in public and say, Jason, I have no idea why you are spending time with that man. He deserves to be dead. Right? So this is really what he has woven through his, through his story. He'd often tell me stories about how when he was in public by himself, the things people would say to him. He would talk about vandalism that happened to property that he had because of the actions that he had, he had taken. So this series of activities for him led to multiple felonies and ultimately a prison sentence, okay? That's where we're going to pause, and we'll go into, go into the Scripture. So in, uh, in 1 John chapter 2, John starts with, My dear children... I write this to you so that you will not sin. So what sticks to me when I read that statement is the word sin. And I love going back in history and looking at kind of the, the origination of that word. And the Greek word for sin is the word hamartia. Can you guys say hamartia? Awesome. Great, great job. Hamartia means we are missing the mark. Something's off. We're missing, we're missing the mark. It means a fault or a failure in something that's an ethical type of issue. And the last definition that comes with it is it is self-originated, meaning it comes from, comes from us, right? It's not something somebody did to us. It's an action that we take. It's self-originated. And John continues, but if anybody does sin... So what John is acknowledging here is that we sin. Um, This shows up multiple places in the Bible. I'll share just a couple from Paul in Romans. He says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In Romans 7, he says, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. We have sin in us, right? So John is acknowledging we have sin in us. Now, as I was reading the scripture, I thought about a time when our kids were really little. So we've got, my wife and I, we have four kids, and our two oldest kids were the only kids we had at this time. Um, Our oldest is a daughter, Camille. She's six years old at the time. And our youngest at the time was Colin. He was two years old. And my wife and I, one day, um, we, were, we were in the kitchen, and we could hear the other two playing in the other room. Now, as a, as a six-year-old daughter, um, she liked to give my son a lot of advice on how to live. So we can kind of hear this. Go, I hear some chuckles. So we could kind of hear this going on in the background. And you could hear that he was getting just a little bit irritated irritated with it. Now, he's two years old. He doesn't have a lot of words that he uses, right, at this point in time. So all of a sudden, we hear this smack, 
and we hear our daughter just start crying and screaming and yelling out. And as parents, um, what we would do with our kids when they were little like that is we would put them in time out. So my wife and I, we walk into, into the other room, and what do we find? We find our daughter sitting there crying and throwing a fit, and our son is sitting in the timeout chair. <laughs> he has decided the punishment was worth the crime, or the crime was worth the punishment, however you look at that. So I look back, and even as a two-year-old, he knew, he knew what sin was, right? He knew he did something wrong. He was willing to do that because sitting in this chair for a couple of minutes isn't that big a deal, right? She, she kind of ticked me off. So as I think about being a Christian, it doesn't mean that we're, we're sinless, right? But by being a Christian, we should be on a path to sin less, right? And that, that is what I think John is telling us in this, in this scripture, So continuing with the scripture, it says, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now again, as I was studying for this, I went out and I looked looked up the word advocate, okay? So we'll we'll test your um, pronunciation again. The Greek word for advocate is parakletos. So say it, parakletos. And parakletos, is really, it's really a legal word. So if you think about our legal system and words that we use in our legal system, here's some of the definitions that come with it. One who speaks to our defense, right? One who speaks up to our defense. The second definition that came out was one who pleads another's cause before a judge, And the third one that came up was counsel for defense, right? So you can kind of feel that legal feeling inside of those those terms. Now, Ecclesiastes 12 says, For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it good or evil. We need an advocate. As humans, we need advocates, right? Jesus is an advocate for him. So one of the commentaries I read was, um, was really good. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal a little bit of what, if I said I steal, am I sinning right now? I'm, I'm borrowing this great work that they did and sharing, sharing it with you. Um, and, and the whole thing was think about, think about this scripture through the lens of a courtroom. Okay, so I've got a picture of a courtroom. There it is. I've got a picture of a courtroom. So as you're looking at this courtroom, imagine that God the Father is the judge. He's sitting up there in that seat. Imagine that Satan is the prosecutor. He is the accuser. And imagine that Jesus is the defender. He is our advocate in this, in this court case. So the first thing that happens in court is the defender comes up and basically says, this is what I am, or the prosecutor comes up and says, this is what I am charging this person with. So Satan is saying, this defendant, they harbor lust. This defendant has succumbed to drunkenness. They don't help those in need. They've hoarded money. They're full of greed. 
They're angry. They're hurtful towards others. They've disparaged your name. And the list goes on and on and on and on. Okay? Satan the accuser. God then turns to the defense and he says, defense, how do you respond to this? And Jesus, as our advocate, he says, this is all true. My client's guilty. He has done all of this and more. It is, it's true. And he is here to confess this to you. God's response to be- becomes, so what do you recommend as a sentence? Jesus' response is the sentence should be death. Now, at this point in time, you can imagine Satan sitting there saying, I won, I got this, right? Kind of giggling, kind of laughing, kind of carrying on. And Jesus says, can I approach the bench? And when Jesus approaches the bench, it probably goes something like, Dad, I'm here because of this person. This sentence is mine to carry, right? I went to the cross for the sins that this person has committed. That is an advocate. Jesus has acknowledged our guilt. That's why he went to the cross. He not only took took on our sins, but he took on the sins of the world, as the scripture as the scripture says and he enters the plea on our behalf he is our advocate so god agrees that jesus' sacrifice paid for our sins he slams the gavel and says guilty as charged your sentence is satisfied there is no more your sentence is satisfied John 3.36 says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. Because we've said yes to him, we have an advocate in Jesus. He is always there for us. Um, We can find comfort, we can find peace in the fact that he is an advocate for us. So I always, as I, as I go through Scripture, I think about, so what's, what's the so what for me, right? I love the fact that Jesus is an advocate for me. He also calls us into things. So what do we do? What do we do with this, right? How do we, how do we move forward in this? We're called to follow him, but what does that look like? How are we to be an advocate? So I'm going to continue... Um, in 1 John chapter 2, we're going to go to, we're going to, go to verse 3, and I'm just going to read this uh, through verse 11. And it says, We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does, does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anybody obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you. 
because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there's nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. I will say this. Um, so I, I, I get the opportunity to serve at the well every day. And it seems to me like the world is getting darker and darker and darker. Um, Satan is more, um, he's more active, he's more sinister, he's more divisive, he's more destructive, he's more courageous. We see him showing up in areas that we hadn't seen before, and he's more visible than I have ever seen in my lifetime. So what are we to do? Right? Go back to the scripture that we just read, and I want to I wanna refer back to um, He says, I'm not writing you a new command. The command hasn't changed. And that command you can find in Mark 12. It says, love the Lord your God with all all of your heart, your soul, and your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. So what's that look like? What's that look like for us? How How do we do that? Um, but there, there is a warning there. The warning is we've got to be on guard. There's darkness, right? Again, light and dark. There is darkness that is trying to blot out the light. There's Satan. There's our flesh that gets in the way. And there's the world. There's what's going on in the world that's trying to pull us in a direction that's counter to what we value, counter to what's important to us. One of the things I did um, as I was preparing for this, as I think about this in the context of the world, was I went out yesterday to the Des Moines Register's website. And I want to put up, these are the five headlines that first came up on that website. So the first one is, crowd gathers at downtown shooting site Two, and I quote, hold the Des Moines Police Department accountable. The second one is Eastern Iowa Hospital sued after man's oxygen allegedly shut off. The third one is new lawsuit alleges sexual misconduct from former Des Moines teachers. The next one, man gets 10 years for driving Iowa 14-year-old to Minnesota for sex. The fifth one is, you and I, professor who required masks, allowed to continue teaching online. So I am guessing every one of you had some reaction to at least one of those headlines up there. This is what the world is throwing at us, right? Now, your reaction could have been this internal, uncomfortable, cynical Right? Could have been a lot of different things in how you react to these. I would say this, in our, in our daily walk in life, if we encounter this, these things, it's our tendency to have a more visceral reaction. 
when I look at what's going on in the, in the world today, it seems like there's two sharply contrasting sides, and people just can't seem to meet, to meet in the middle. Um, so we can have that visceral reaction, which could come out as anger, it could come out as fear, it could come out as running from that situation. But I want to ask the question, are we taking time to pause, to understand, um, and perhaps become an advocate inside of whatever that noise may be that's being thrown at us? So one thing that I'll, I'll say is, is interesting about being involved in a, in a church, um, I can say this from the Wells standpoint, is we really have a front row seat to the things that are really hard in our communities. We get to see where people are struggling. We get to see what they're dealing with. We get to walk with them inside of that. And I'll say this, through the world's lens, um, I have met with murderers, with sex offenders, with felons, with addicts, with the widow, with the lonely, with the weird. Um, and underneath that label, what you find is a person. I've never met a person that had that label on them that didn't have dreams, that didn't have a heart, didn't have a soul, right? But the world just hasn't worked out like they had planned. Things just don't look like how they had planned. Sometimes they're okay with it, and sometimes they're just lost and don't know where to go. Now, we believe as Christians there's one place to go, right? How do we navigate that in this world? In general, when somebody receives that label, they start to feel lonely, they start to feel isolated, and they just kind of take themselves out of the mainstream. They don't want to be seen. What's interesting, if you look back over the last 18 months, um, the world went a little crazy, didn't it? At, I'm, I'm just going to use an example at the well because I'm close to that. The well over the last 18 months, our traffic has been up 40 to 70%. What do you think isolation has done to people? Right? It's showing the hurt. Um, we, have, we have seen people um, that have been isolated, their addiction is increasing. We've seen anxiety increasing. We've seen depression. We've seen suicide ideation. And we've, we've, seen, we've seen violence. We've seen it get acted out, right? God designed us to be in relationship with one another. So when I think about this whole concept of advocacy, to be an advocate, I have to be in relationship. For Jesus to be an advocate to me, I need to be in relationship with him. He needs to know me, right? So as we're thinking about, you know, if we're to be an advocate, there's some things we've just got to be willing to do, some things we've got to be willing to step into, you know, one of them is we've got to look to Jesus and follow his lead. We've got to have the courage to follow his lead, step into, into the unknown. 
when we interact with people, we need to do more listening than correcting and informing and doing those things. We need to sit with an understanding heart. We need to believe the best in the person. Man, there's a lot of things I read about people that are nothing like the person I know. That is an attack for somebody who does not believe the best in that person. And we need to see people through Jesus' eyes and love them, love them accordingly, whatever that, whatever that might look like. So as I, as I think about this concept of advocacy and think about myself, how do I step in and be an advocate for the lost, for the hurting? And again, we see lots of them at the well. We engage with lots of people that are, that are struggling. And I want to continue the story that I started with. So this, this person that I had been meeting with, if you remember, um, kind of a disconnect. He would say he was a believer. He would pray. He would quote, quote scripture. He would talk about how Jesus was working in his life. But something didn't quite add up. There was some, some what I would call worldly disconnects on what his actions looked like. Those actions led to pain, they led to hurt, and ultimately they led to him having multiple felony convictions that land him in prison. Okay? So I met with him the night before he was to start the journey of going into, into prison. Now let me give you a little bit of, of context for our relationship up until that point. He talked a lot about things that went on in his life. He shared a lot of life with me. Never once did he say, those things that I am accused of, I did. He never confessed his sins. He never expressed anything about the victims, right? It was all about me. It was all about how I navigate this for him. When you have the reality of you are a day away from never seeing the outside world again, I think that has a way of bringing up stuff, bringing up emotion, okay? And I would say our last interaction was very, very raw in, in what those emotions, emotions look like. At the meeting, he, he shared with me through tears. So imagine a grown man absolutely sobbing through tears. He said, Jason, I'm not afraid of going to prison. Been there, know what it's like. I am not afraid of that. I am afraid of the day that I meet my maker. Because all of those things they've accused me of, I've done and more. Where is his advocate? Does he have one? There's one place that our advocate is. Now I would say, based on my walk with him, he's got that advocate. Life didn't work out so well for him here, but I'm sure it does there. 
I'm going to invite the, the worship team back up. And I want to, I want to pray. I want, um, I want you guys to reflect on relationships that you have or don't have and how you're stepping into them. What does advocacy look like for the people that are in your path? So let me pray. Father God, Lord, we, uh, we come to you today and just we praise you in all things. Lord, you are a good God. Lord, you do not do things that hurt us. You do not do things that hold us down. But Lord, you invite us in. And Lord, as we, as we learn today about your advocacy, your care for us, Lord, your gentle and humble heart, Lord, I just, I just pray that it settles in on us, and Lord, that it gives us the courage to step into the unknown, to meet with people that are different than us, to meet with people that have, have labels like felon, addict, weird. Give us the courage to find really the richness in relationship that just comes back to knowing people and being with people. Lord, we are so thankful that you are our advocate. And Lord, we can rest in peace in that when things come up and things don't go our way. We are so thankful that you died for us so we could be free. Lord, we praise you in that. Lord, you are the light. Lord, we just ask that we continue to step further and further into the light. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. All right. Go ahead and sit down. I'm going to share one last story. Um, guys, make yourself comfortable. <laughs> I want to share one last story. As you, as you think about what being an advocate looks like, I'm, I'm guessing if you're like me, there's a picture that comes to mind. And I want to show you, I want to show you a picture. That's not it. That, that guy on the right, that is me. And the woman on the left, her name is Rachel. So uh, a couple weeks ago, we had an open house event at our well location in Fairfield, Iowa. And it's, it's interesting when you do events like that, you don't know who's going to show up, you don't know what they're going to do, you don't know what they're going to bring, but, but people come. So you look at Rachel, um, I have no idea how old Rachel is, but she's certainly got some experience, right? And Rachel, you, there's some things I want to point out in this picture that I don't know if you can see. Um, kind of by my right hand, there's a, um, there's a cross hanging there. She's got a little cross hanging on the, on the purse that she carries. And on her shirt, she's got buttons. She had three or four buttons on her shirt. One of the buttons she had on her shirt said, I love Jesus, and she said to me, Jason, I love Jesus so much. I love Jesus so much. 
I want to serve him. I want to honor him. And you can see in my left hand, I'm holding a piece of paper. So Rachel, um, she is a regular shopper in our stores. She comes every week and she loves the people, loves the fellowship, loves the relationship, loves those, love the, loves those things. And she said, Jason, I wrote this poem for you. Not for me, but for you, you as well. So I wanted to read this poem to you. And I want you to think about what's it mean to be an advocate? Because Rachel, she is an advocate. She titles the poem, The Well is Sure Well. The well is the place to shop, you see. If you don't believe it is so, just ask me. They seem to have it all, even if it's a Bible, shirts, hose, clothing, crafts, or even dishes. They know what the people want, and that is their wishes. They have so many nice things at a discount that we can really save. I think that is really something to cheer about and rave. The help is so friendly, and that makes you feel good. But a name like the well, you knew it would. The well, just remember, yesterday is history, tomorrow's a mystery, and today is a gift. That's why it's called the present. May God and Jesus bless you all, always and in, in all, always. Many thanks again. Happy grand opening. Rachel, when we think of an advocate, we don't picture somebody like Rachel. Right? She is an advocate. She loves Jesus. She wants to spread the good news. She brought so much joy to our team with that poem that it, it's, just, it's just incredible. How can we be his cheerleader? How can we bring that same joy from an advocate standpoint? So the end of the service, we will have prayer ministers up front. I want to leave you, I want to leave you with a blessing. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God bless and have a great week.